With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to a very special crossover episode of the Edges and Sliders Cricket Podcast with our good friends at the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Santoki and Marshall are joining BJ and myself, Ashwin, this week. You know, not the best time, to be honest, to be joined by our friends from the Caribbean as they have to talk about losing 0-3 to, to the team uh, India boys, who have now jumped into the number one position in the T20 rankings. But, you know, I'll start by saying, DJ, I wasn't on last week's show. You and Varun did it alone. You predicted two under the West Indies. Varun predicted two under India, I think. And of course, both of you guys were wrong. So DJ, let me ask you before I go to our, our wonderful guests, how are you feeling? It's a pretty good day, right? It's a pretty good thing to be wrong about. I mean, when your team comes out and, and I mean, no one would have been putting money on a 3-0 win to India. I mean, honestly, I know when I spoke to Santoki at the start, when we previewed the series, he was quite cautious about the West Indies chances. But even, I mean, even the most optimistic uh, supporter of the Indian team and the even even the most pessimistic supporter of the West Indian team wouldn't have said 3-0 in the in the T20 because they're a fantastic T20 side and we saw some good cricket I mean it was competitive compelling cricket throughout um, luckily for Indian fans we came out uh, 3-0 and uh, the West Indies didn't win a game on this tour so um, I'm sure we'll hear, hear all about it from uh, Marshall and um, and Santoki but um, yeah I'm pretty feeling pretty happy it's been a better February than it was a January as I said previously. Absolutely. So, all right, gentlemen, welcome to the show. I feel a little mean starting with the scoreline. So before we get a little bit more into the T20s, I want to talk to you a little bit about the IPL auction that just happened. And because we have you guys on the show, a little bit about the West Indies players who got picked up. So if I'm reading it correctly, 17 West Indian cricketers were picked up in the IPL auction. I mean, Masha, let me start with you. West Indies players have been a mainstay of the IPL since its inception, basically, right? How do you feel about some of the names that got picked up? Um, you know, I'll run through a couple of my favorites, but any surprises? Of course, Andre Russell was retained. No surprise there. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to... <laughs> I can't wait to see what Santoki says after I finish. So I'm gonna try, I'm gonna get in there first before Santoki exposes me. But um, I, as Santoki will well know, I had told him that I I didn't care about the IPL. <laughs> then and then when the auction came up, I was tweeted about it more than you would have thought I was the biggest IPL fanboy when uh, when the auction came up this year. But ultimately, that's because I think what more than any other cricket cricketing nation. We, we had 17 and you have to pay attention to that because in the in light of the fact that we are kind of in a transition um, in T20s in, in, with regards to the West Indies team, it's kind of very significant to see what I call the dawn of the new blood, really, when we look at this IPL, um, the 17 in IPL. Obviously, take away your Russells, your Narines, your DJ Bravos, but we're talking about Dominic Drake's getting a deal. Alzari Joseph, I know he's been there before, getting a deal. Carl Mayer's getting a deal. 
Shepard getting a deal, Aldine Smith getting a deal, Obed McCoy getting a deal. So it's very much, I don't know if it's uh, too much hyperbole to say this is the dawn of the new era, but it feels like it just because of how many uh, people got picked up. And I think both my, um, I'll see what Santoki says, but I think both myself and Santoki, if, I, if I'm permitted to speak for Santoki briefly, would say that the deal which stood out more than any other was Romario Shepard going for a million um, and coming off this, um, coming off this, this three nils, three nil defeat to India. I wonder if his franchise wonders what they've paid a million for. <laughs> exactly. But, but that was the deal. That was the deal that stood out for me, Santoki. Yeah, Santoki, can you tell me a little more about Shepard? What is, uh, you know, not a lot to write home about in the series, in the series before our listeners who haven't seen much of him. Uh, what is it? What can the uh, Hyder- Sunrisers Hyderabad expect from the million bucks they just paid for him? Well, like a lot of West Indians signed in uh, in the draft, he's he's a good finisher. He's got, he can bat, if you need to chase, uh, say, 30 of the last two overs, he's someone who can come in and swing. His bowling, though, it's been known in the Caribbean for the, for the past few years, very inconsistent. I mean, in our regional 50 over tournament last year, in the final for Guyana, he went for over 100 runs for his 10 overs. He's very inconsistent, but he had a very good CPL. And it's kind of off the back of that. I mean, to put it into context, the president of Guyana, actually wrote a letter to Cricket West Indies demanding Shepard be in the World Cup squad <laughs> just because he's kind of seen as that kind of potential. But it's inconsistency and it's kind of, as Michelle sort of suggested, it's very surprising that he did get a million dollar deal in the IPL. And I feel part of that is because it's partly down to Brandon as well. IPL since his inception has been sort of defined in terms of overseas players by the likes of Gale and Bravo. And you feel franchises are looking trying to force a way for a new West Indian to kind of stand out in the tournament. So you feel that's why they slightly paid over the odds, hoping that he can sort of be that future all-rounder. But he's definitely someone who, batting-wise, no issues with that in terms of 20 overs. Um, But bowling is very, very inconsistent. So I think Sunrisers are going to find that out in a very harsh way um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm very interesting. And I think the IPL is such a fascinating format where if your consistent streak happens to have come during the, the lead up to the playoffs and the playoffs, then you're a superhero. And if not, then you get dropped. But DJ, as you make yourself a cup of tea very publicly on this on this episode, we can see your kettle there. Uh, let me ask you, or I hope it's tea. I don't know what else you might be drinking. It's 9 p.m. your time. But let me ask you about, you're very pretty publicly a Chennai Super Kings fan. Let me ask you about the one West Indian they chose to buy. And I think he's 40 now. Is he, how, how old is Dwayne Bravo? He's over the age of 40, right? So to be clear, I'm an MS Dhoni fan. Yeah. Not a Chennai Super Kings fan. They, okay. they, right. You might think they're the same thing. But um, anyway, um, I mean, DJ Bravo, he's... They, I mean, CSK on the last episode, we basically spoke about how they went out and they brought, they basically got the old bang, band back together again. They they said, we're going to try and get everyone back. They got Raidu back, Utapa back, and they got DJ Bravo back. And I mean, he's been amazing for them over the years, right? With the bat, you saw what he did to the Mumbai Indians in 2018, like winning a game from nowhere, just taking all their fantastic bowlers at the death apart. Uh, takes wickets at the death. Um uh, he bowls those tough overs, 16, 18, 20. And I mean, he's he's fantastic. And he's done that for years and years. And he's got a great sledging game, sledging Karen Pollard, saying that he's uh, in Uzi Chahal's pocket today. He was in Bishnoi's pocket. So one wristy to another. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy with that. For, for me, the one I'm excited about, and I'm surprised neither of you have spoken about it, is Powell. Delhi Capitals. He's coming to the Delhi Capitals. Rothman Powell, what a player. What a player he is. And we spoke about oh, him gosh, earlier. He hit the ball so hard. He hits the ball yeah. ridiculously. Yeah. And he's going to be one of our four starters. He has to be, surely, uh, at the Delhi Capitals. And, and I'm looking forward to him. He can he can bowl as well as a little bit, I think. So, 
be a it's, it's a good buy for us yeah powell's obviously the one we're excited about it was pretty interesting in that second t20 to see rishabh pant wicket keeping as powell was hitting the big sixes and in the post match interview he said yeah of course i want to india to win but it was pretty nice to see powell hitting sixes because we'll be playing together here in just over a month's time but uh, it's a good segue into the India West Indies series. There are two na- two more names I want to ask you guys about in the auction. Masha, let me come to you. Jason Holder, big, big jump in his value. Didn't have a great India West Indies series, but honestly, has had a phenomenal kind of past year, year and a half, if you will, right? Thoughts about him getting, you know, $1.2 million almost uh, go- as he went to the Lucknow Supergiants? Well, the Lucknow Supergiants are my team, so it's all good. But <laughs> um, well, um, wait, what makes them your? T- I guess they have Evan Lewis, they have Kyle Myers, and they have Holder. Is that listen, why? Listen, every, everyone thinks I've got an issue with Jason Holder. So to show publicly that I don't, I'm now back in the Lucknow Supergiants in their their inaugural season um, in IPL. But hold, listen, Holder's a funny one for me because I still, I know I'm, I'm probably going to like, I'm probably going to get cancelled for saying this, but. I still don't technically regard him yet as a T20 superstar. And it's, it's, it's almost like because of Jason Holder's um, exploits um, and fantastic exploits, I hasten to add, in test cricket, not so much ODI cricket, but test cricket, it's almost like he's talked up in T20 cricket before he's put up the T20 numbers, so, so to speak. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, he had a good IPL very good IPL last year. And then I think he came in late in the 2021 and was good in the back end of IPL in 2020. So I'm not trying to pretend like he hasn't shown ability in uh, T20s, but a lot of this kind of question marks came because of course he didn't make our World Cup squad. Uh, for the 2021 World Cup, he was part of the reserves and then was brought in after injuries and so on and so forth. He's been up and down in T20s for the West Indies. So for example, he didn't really do much in this India series but was excellent against England. So he, I don't see him as a consistent or consistently good, I should say, T20 star. However, does he deserve to be a million bucks player? Yeah, probably just because everyone kind of sees him as the number one all-rounder, irrespective of whether he is or shouldn't be seen as that in T20 cricket. World cricket kind of just sees him as the number one all-rounder. So part of me feels like, well, you know what? you deserve this one million bucks for everything you've been doing in cricket in general. Whether that means he deserves a million bucks for T20 or not, I don't particularly know. But it's, I almost feel like this is a, a, a one million bucks deal that he's got for all of his body of work over time. And now an IPL franchise has finally said, now you're one of our main players. And it makes sense to me that it would be a new team that would be the ones to, to take the punt on him rather than one of the existing sides. Um, although, again... Maybe all three of you will say, given what he did in 2021 IPL, he deserves it's just off the back of that, irrespective um, of everything else. Um, I'll see what you will say about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think my two cents are from the 13, 14 years, I guess, of watching the IPL. What makes a player super valuable in some situations is being is being able to give your captain options. And I think Jason Holder does that, right? If they lose two quick, if he's slated to bat at six and they lose two quick wickets in the third over and need to consolidate, you can send him up there to be a little stable. If you need to come in and try to get some quick runs at the finish, he can do that on his day. And then, of course, good, good with the new ball can be good at that. And so I think that I, I think you're right. Often you get your the sum of money is recency bias. You know, it's a little bit about what you've done across multi-formats, even though T20 should be the lead option. But I think just the options he gives a new, a new skipper or a skipper for a new franchise is going to be interesting. But Santoki, let me ask you, as we talk about the, the series that just ended, the most expensive player in this draft, um, if you exclude the retention of Andre Russell, of course, was Nicholas Puran, right? ODI skipper, 
arguably the only player who had a great, great T20 series across all three matches. So $1.4 million, 7.75 crores. How, how do you feel about that pick, right? Sunrise is Hyderabad. He's going to be playing with uh, Romario Shepard, who we talked about earlier. That's a great pick, right? After these three T20s, you got to believe he's a class player. Yeah, definitely. And I think Puran was in the IPL auction was definitely um, a case of being in the right place at the right time. Um, I believe Sunrisers wanted to get Ishan Kishan as their first choice. When they couldn't get him, Puran came up next as an immediate international wicketkeeper who was available for the whole tournament. So that sort of inflated his um, fee. But irrespective of that, as you said, this, this series, he scored over 60 um, in every match of the T20 series, which is remarkable consistency in this format. And he's someone who at least in West Indian circles, it is seen as a long-term hope for us to kind of carry us forward, especially once Pollard retires from the game. So he's someone, he can rotate strike well, he can play spin well, he can also finish in innings if needs be. So he's a very dynamic player as well as a wicketkeeper. So I was surprised he got 1.4 million because considering his previous, I think he averaged under 10 last season in the IPL. So 7.72. Um, 85 runs yeah. at 7.72. I've got I've got the stat up here actually. I was just googling it while while you were speaking. <laughs> yeah, so to get 1.4 million, he as I said, it's partly down to the luck of timing as to when he came in the auction. I'm sure Quinton de Kock is kicking himself that he didn't come in at the right time. Um, but he's someone I think he he can prove fruitful for Sunrisers. Um, just because of that versatility and his ability with the bat, and especially now they've got him on uh, tied down long term. I think we'll see in the coming seasons. Not not necessarily this season. I think he'll do well, but over the next two three seasons, he's someone who will definitely be a star for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's going to be interesting to see where he's used in the batting order. You know, I think he's gone to a, a franchise that otherwise I don't think has a great team. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, he kind of helps them elevate and and get to the to get to the playoffs if that's their goal. But DJ, let's talk about the the T20s now, right? Let's start with the first one. I'm going to start with you and ask you a little about the the India selection, right? It feels like on paper the batting order of Rohit and Kishan followed by Kohli at three, Pant at four. Sky at five and Venkatesh Iyer at six is your dream top six. Is that is that fair to say? Yep, um, I I quite like that Kishan and Rohit uh, opening partnership right on top. Um, obviously, it hasn't proved as successful as I would have hoped. I think I went on record last week saying this guy Kishan at fifteen point two five crore should play every T Twenty game India plays. Um, but yes, I think left hand, right hand on top, Kohli followed by Pant, Sky, and Venki Iyer or Hardik Pandya. That's, that's pretty solid. Uh, top six for me. Um, of course, you've got to think about where Rahul and Ayer fit into that. Uh, the Shreya Sayyar, not Venki Ayer. Um, and how you fit Hardik in when he's fit. So, good problem to have, but really, really good top six. And then on the bowlers, really quick, obviously we played Bumrah's rested this series, so Bhuvi and Cheher, kind of like for like, we've talked about how they're, you know, you don't, you likely won't play both of them ongoing, but Harshal Patel, no questions about his T20 chops. And then a debut for Ravi Bishnoi. How did you feel about that one? He looked nervous, right? In the first game, he looked, he looked like he was a guy playing his first international game, he bowled a bunch of wides. But then when he settled in, you saw him come into his own, That he got that googly going and he bowled really well. He bowled really well in his first game. I thought he was very impressive. He bowled well in the next games as well. Um, next two games as well, actually. He played all three. Um, I was surprised that we didn't play um, either Siraj or Avesh in the first game. Uh, and as you said, we played Bhuvi and Cheher in the first game, who kind of 
pretty similar. No Shardul playing in the first game as well. So I would have thought that uh, Deepak Chahar and Shardul are fighting out for one spot. And then Bhuvi, uh, Harshal, Bhuvi, uh, Avesh and Siraj are fighting out for one spot once Bumrah comes back. Um, it, it, it was fascinating. It was good to see us trying out different players. Interesting, we played two leggies. I didn't expect us to play two uh, leg spinners. Chehel and Bishnoi both played. I would have thought one of those two would play. But uh, clearly, someone's identified an issue with wrist spin and, and, and deployed both of those guys in the first game and the second. Yeah, I mean, Bishnoi ended with four overs, two for 17, despite six wides. The only player who had better figures than him was actually West Indies' Rustin Chase, right? So despite coming up in a loss, um, Marshall, I'm going to ask you, because we got some questions from some of our listeners on Twitter um, Cricket Clinic and Karthik uh, KO Cricket have both said, is Rostin Chase the biggest positive for the for West Indies coming out of the series? I mean, first match, four overs, two for 14. Uh, he picked up both openers, Rohit and Kishan. Like, he looked pretty good, but I don't, he wasn't picked up in the IPL. I don't even know if he was in the auction draft or, or tell me a little bit more about Rostin Chase. Yeah, so Rostin went unsold in the IPL and uh, auction rightly so, I hasten to add. <sighs> Listen, I would have. Would I have ever had Rustin Chase playing in any of these T20s? No, probably not. Do I think Rustin Chase should be in our T20 side? Actually, no, probably not. Has he taken his chance? 100%. And at the end of the day, Kyron Pollard kind of alluded to it in the post-match press conference um, after t- after the, uh, the third uh, T20 defeat. And he said that, listen, Rustin came in for Jason in game one because Jason was injured. And all you can ask a player to do when they get a chance is make yourself undroppable. And technically, coming out of this series, Rostin has given West Indies a selection issue because myself, and again, I'll speak for Santoki because I know he agrees with me on this, Rostin Chase with the bat has been atrocious in all formats. In, in all formats of the game, he's not offering us anything with the bat. Uh, let's try and equate it maybe to someone like Moeen Ali when his batting fell off. Right now, Rostin seems to be more of a bet with us with the ball than he is with the bat, even though the bat is what should be getting him into the side. So where West Indies now have to consider with someone like a Rostin chase, but bear in mind the World Cup's in Australia as well, which further complicates this, but what they have to consider with someone like a Rostin chase is, what are we picking him to do? Uh, and uh, Are we picking him to bowl his four overs, which if we are, where are we batting him then? Because he's not a top, his performance doesn't, justify him batting anywhere in the top five at, at, at all. But we don't, we seem reluctant to put him down at number 10 or number 11 to reflect the fact that he's only really contributing um, with the ball. So it's a really, it's a really weird scenario we find ourselves in, which will probably, we'll still probably be having this conversation in the Caribbean when England turn up for the test series if he somehow gets into the test squad. I don't know if India have an equivalent type of player where you're like, actually, you're, you're not contributing in the primary suit you're supposed to be picked for. And it just poses selection problems when they start contributing in a way that they shouldn't be contributing, if that makes sense. We, we had it with Rahane in the test game when he wasn't contributing with the bat, but he was going to be our captain. <laughs> I can't think of anyone. I mean, we've we've also had it with our bowlers a little, right? Like for a while when Deepak Chahar wasn't bowling at his peak, he was batting great. Chardul wasn't bowling great, but batting phenomenally. Ashwin was batting phenomenally. So it's been a little bit weird. But I, yeah, I hear, I mean, I hear that. That's going to be an interesting one. Santoki, I wanted to just to kind of ask you about kind of things that worked and didn't work for West Indies. But let me kind of start by learning a little more about the openers, right? First two matches was Kyle Mayers and Brandon King. They dropped King. I think they brought in Hope to open in this third match that happened today at the time of us recording it. So 
What is the long-term kind of plan for the West Indies opening pair uh, in T20s? Um, yeah, so long-term, we're just hoping Evan Lewis can kind of come back and he's sort of, I mean, if anything, this series just sort of valued his importance to the side. Um, Brandon King is someone, he had an excellent 2019 CPL. Before that, he was kind of earmarked as a Red Bull player, but CPL kind of took him off into a different route. Um, he made the West Indies squad 2020 and then didn't really hit form, was dropped. Has kind of worked his way back into the side, had a decent series against Pakistan. But again, here we saw in the second T20, him playing match losing innings, um, 22 runs off 30 balls, which when you're chasing 180 plus is, you might as well retire out or, just, or do something because then you're just letting the team down. Um, Carl Mayers is an interesting one because he's sort of the England series, he came in for the last two games, he sort of managed to put together blistering innings, but we've seen him struggle against India. So we haven't seen enough of him as an opener to, see, to suggest that he could be a long-term solution. So it's a case of who can manage to partner with Evan Lewis. I think... Shy Hope and Brandon King aren't necessarily the answers for us at the moment. So it's hard to know unless if Carl Mayers doesn't step up, it's hard to know where we're kind of getting options for. I know Sunil Narayan um, has been tearing up in the Bangladesh Premier League as an opener, so that could always be an option. But realistically, I think we're hoping that Lewis and Mayers can kind of gel together long term. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, right? Losing the early wicket in a T20 is always going to put you back a little bit. But Maxwell, then let me ask you kind of, what were the what you know the put it bluntly what went wrong for the West Indies this this time around right it it was great cricket right first match they bat you guys batted first T- always tough to put a total on the board we know the team chasing benefits but then the second match second and third match India made one eighty six and one eighty four which are tough but chaseable in both cases got fairly close you'd say at about the seventeen over mark it still felt doable but West Indies wasn't able quite able to get over the line so how would you kind of sum up or you know, what's your assessment on what went wrong or what the West Indies think tank needs to go back and do. Yeah, I think there's two. I think there's two main areas here. The the West Indies think tank needs to go away and look at. Uh, Santoki's already alluded to one, which is we cannot um, overstate enough how big of a miss Evan Lewis is. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a world class white ball opener that lots of sides would want uh, in their in their in, in their international setup. So we're kind of we're kind of hodgepodging it together at this moment in time with regards to a blistering start and that sets you back when, when you're chasing we had to chase what in the second and the third and didn't get off to a, a good enough flyer um from the openers that that's issue number one and then issue number two um is actually something i'm gonna i'm gonna back up something that again pollard alluded to in kind of the post series uh press conference he said that we had injure where we wanted them in all three games up until about the 15th over. And I think that's fair. I think that's a fair enough assessment. Even in game one, like as much as India chased it with like six balls to go, there was a point in it was like, okay, this is a bit tighter than they expected, given we only put up one, five, seven. And then in the chasing games, um, when Inja were batting first, in, on both occasions, there were points in India's innings where it's like, okay, we got them here. We got them. Even today, we ha- there was a point until Surya and was it Aya who put together the match-winning partnership. There was a point until those two started where it's like, wait a minute, Inja are going to get less than... 160 here that's what that's what it looked like so Pollard's point was up until about the 15th over of every match yeah you could argue it was a much closer series than a straight out and out 3-0 but at the back end repeatedly uh, uh, we, we we had no death bowling death bowling to speak of and it culminated into in today's game uh, 
where we, what, let 91 runs go in the last six overs. Now, as good as Surya is and Aya, come on, that, that's ridiculous. Against anybody, that, that's ridiculous. And Dominic Drakes and Ramara Shepard were getting just taken apart all over. Or, or, so, and even in game two, I remember saying in game two as well, you have to sometimes, yes, the batting's great. And it looks great because sixes are being hit everywhere. But sometimes you, sometimes you have to look and go, hold on, how bad is this bowling? And I just think that our, our bowling at the back end and uh, go back to the mention of uh, uh, CSK, we've lost Dwayne Bravo. That, and that's a big, big hole to fill. We don't have a death bowler like Dwayne Bravo anymore. And Obed McCoy, who's injured, we don't have him. So at the back end, we are struggling to have accurate, um, and almost like a banker, someone you know can come in and grab a wicket or only go for, I don't know, seven runs. Uh, repetitively up on the, at the back end. So that's where I think we really need to go away and have a look and see what we can do about that. Yeah, very interesting. I think, you know, lots to work on. Not a ton of cricket left before the World Cup, but just about enough to be able to finesse this. Santiago, let me ask you on a more positive note, what were, coming, what, what were some of the highlights coming out of this? Like, what are things you were pretty happy about from the West Indies standpoint that you're looking forward to them focusing on as we get into the World Cup? And kind of where does West Indies cricket go from here? Yeah, so we, we talked about him earlier, but Nicholas Poran obviously was a highlight. He's someone who's been inconsistent, but he managed to put together three excellent uh, innings and his uh, Rothman Powell as well Rothman Powell he's someone who's just worked his way back into the West Indies side so it was good to see his batting um, as you said big sixes Rishpa Pant behind the wicket was in awe of him he just looked like a world class player so for me there weren't many positives to take from this um, playing India in India is always going to be tough but Poran and Rothman Powell working together showed that we do have quality in the middle order and then as we mentioned before Roston Chase sort of made himself undroppable with his of coming into the side and taking the wickets and keeping the economy down as he did. So they, those were the main positives in terms of going forward. I think we just need key personnel back. So Michelle mentioned Obed McCoy. He's vital. Someone to come in at the death overs um, because death bowling is an art form and you feel like the likes of Shepard and Dominic Drake, they sort of still need a lot more experience in that regard. So Obed McCoy coming back, Evan Lewis as well, will be much needed to come in at the top of the order. But as you said, there's not a lot of time left before the World Cup. Not many games coming up for us um, in the T20 format. So it's gonna we're going to have to get things together pretty quickly um, before the World Cup starts in October. Marshall, before we wrap this section, I let you go. How much of the World Cup squad is going to be decided based on how good an IPL those, seven, those 17 players have? I kind of feel like... Um, the the IPL seventeen that almost is our World Cup squad. If you really and truly, if you if you if you if you think about it, and as Santoki says, given how little time um, is remaining, I think we've got Bangladesh in June and July, South Africa after that, and I think that's pretty much it. We might be able to sneak in something after South Africa, um, but basically, our World Cup squad. I don't think it's not going to be like I. Okay, I'm not convinced they're going to leave it to CPL which is just before the World Cup, to suddenly go, right, that player has suddenly performed in CPL in UCOM. There would have to be a huge gap missing in the team to wait till October and, sorry, October, August and September and CPL to suddenly find someone. So it's, I think a lot will be, a lot of eyes will be looking at, um, at, at the IPL and that will, the IPL performances will form the bulk of who we then take to play against Bangladesh and South Africa uh, in, the, in the summer series. Right. Lots to look forward to. IPL coming soon. I'm reading a report today that the broadcasters have requested the IPL start on March on March 26th. So that's just over a month away and February is a short month. We may be 32, 33 days out from the IPL, which of course we are very excited about. I think that's going to bring us to a wrap. 
gentlemen, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, can you tell our listeners really quickly where they can find you all? Yeah, so um, I always get this wrong. So you know what? This is the easiest way to do it. Go to go to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com. Go to the website because I finally realized that all of the links are actually on the website. So just go there and that will take you to all the different Instagram, YouTube, Twitter pages, et cetera, et cetera. And thank you so much um, for having us on. Awesome. Edges and Sledges and the Caribbean Cricket Podcast are good friends and we love having these gents on our show and love chatting with you. For those listening on Edges and Sledges, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back, talk a little bit more about things happening in the world of India. Women's cricket, the Ranji Trophy, etc. So don't go anywhere. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 